0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Fairy Tall Tales. I'm your host, Megan, and I've got my BFF, the coolest cat in the whole wide world, sitting across from me. Meow. (laughs) That's Sarah, (laughs) and we are here to bring you some freaking gruesome stories. Yeah, prepare
1: to just hate uh, humanity and farm
0: animals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you don't have to go as far as hating the farm animals, but uh, yeah, just... um, I don't know. Prepare yourselves, whatever yes. that means to you. Get in your right state of mind to uh, listen to some gruesome facts.
1: Uh, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I still need to mentally prepare myself. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna work. We're
0: gonna work on that. We're gonna mentally prepare ourselves <laughs> here. We're getting ready, get into the right state of mind. You know, because uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, the Ugly Duckling first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good old Hans Christian Andersen. Another classic tale.
1: Yes, you probably know this one, or if you don't know, like, the actual
0: story, you probably know the, like, little simplified version. You've definitely heard some form of the Ugly Duckling before, like, even if it's not this story, but a similar story with the same theme, Well, you yeah, because,
1: like, the whole, like, morality yes. part of it, like...
0: The moral of the story is the same in other stories.
1: <laughs> pretty much, because... The original story is long, longer than
0: longer than I, I expected, <laughs> exactly. longer than I remembered. So, so we buckle might up. as well, yeah, buckle up. We might as well just jump right into it with our favorite fairy tale words. Are they in this one?
1: No, but I put them in anyway. Yes,
0: thank God. Once upon a time, <laughs> they
1: don't belong, but no. it, it does belong here. <laughs> Once upon a time, it was a lovely. Oh no, I fucked that up already. <laughs>
0: it wasn't lovely what was no. so not lovely about it
1: well once upon a time it was lovely summer weather in oh the country. there you
0: go
1: <laughs> and the golden corn the green oats and the haystacks piled up in the meadows looked beautiful Ah, shucks the stork walking about on his long <laughs> red legs chattered in the egyptian language which he had learned from his mom
0: I love when fairy tales add in some fun random facts. That
1: has no relevance to the rest of the story.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) The
1: cornfields and meadows were surrounded by large forests, in the midst of which were deep pools. It was indeed delightful to walk about in the country. It's really scenic, and I'm about to tell you more about this scenery. Yes, I can't wait. Please, all the imagery. Give it to me. In a sunny spot stood a pleasant old farmhouse close by a deep river. And from the house down to the waterside grew great burdock leaves, so high that under the tallest of them a little child could stand upright. Oh, my lordy. Or a
0: Megan could sit <laughs> on her butt. <laughs> I could probably also stand upright and be covered by them. <laughs> At least on my knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what not- am I doing on my knees? <laughs> praying exactly that's what i meant you dirty fools the spot was as wild as
1: megan (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh just kidding the spot was as wild as the center of a thick wood (laughs) (laughs) this is not starting off well that's not any better no (laughs) in this snug retreat sat a duck on her nest watching for her young brood to hatch she was beginning to get tired of her task, for the little ones were a long time coming out of their shells, and she seldom had any visitors. Nobody wants to visit the pregnant people waiting, for the <laughs> waiting for birth. the baby to come. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so nobody. Uh, blah, blah. The other ducks preferred to swim about in the river than to climb the slippery banks and sit under a burdock leaf to have gossip with her. They're like we busy. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Quack, 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 quack. At length, one shell cracked and then another. And from each egg came a living creature that lifted its head and cried, Peep, peep. Quack, quack, said (laughs) the mother. Quack, quack. (laughs) And then they all quacked as well as they could and looked about them on every side at the green leaves. Their mother allowed them to look as much as they liked because green is good for the eyes. I agree. How large the world is, said the young ducks, when they found how much more room they had now than while they were inside their eggshells. Well, yeah. Do you imagine this is the whole world? asked the mother. Wait till you have seen the garden. It stretches far beyond that to the parson's field. But I have never ventured to such a distance.
0: I almost want to just live inside this fairy tale. It sounds really nice. Does, I
1: guess if you're certain people in this fairy tale. "'Are you all out?' she continued, rising. "'No, I declare the largest egg lies there still. "'I wonder how long this is to last. I am quite tired of it.' And she seated herself again on the nest. "'Well, how are you getting on?' asked an old duck who paid her a visit. "'One egg is not yet hatched,' said the duck. "'It will not break. But just look at all the others. "'Are they not the prettiest little ducklings you ever saw?' They are the image of their father, who is so unkind, he never comes to see.
0: Quack, quack,
1: quack. Let me see that egg that will not break, said the duck. I have no doubt it is a turkey's egg. I was persuaded to hatch some once, and after all my care and trouble with the young ones, they were afraid of the water. I quacked and clucked, but all to no purpose. I could not get them to venture in. Let me look at the egg. Yes, that is a turkey's egg. Take my advice. Leave it where it is and teach the other children to swim. I think I will sit on it a little while longer, said the duck. As I have sat so long already, a few days will be nothing.
0: That's what she think right now.
1: Womp, womp, womp. Please yourself, said the old duck, and she went away. At last the large egg broke and a young one crept forth crying, Peep, peep! Peep, it was very large and ugly the duck stared at it and exclaimed it is very large and not at all like the others i wonder if it really is a turkey <laughs> we shall soon find out however when we go to the water it must go in if i have to push it myself
0: <gasps> that sounds like duckling abuse <laughs> or turkey abuse
1: drown 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 <laughs> sink or swim guess so on the next day the weather was delightful and the sun shone brightly on the green leaves you know green is good to look at it is so the mother duck took her young brood down to the water and jumped in with a splash quack quack cried she, cried she. and one after another
0: little dunkli- ducklings
1: dunklings.
0: <laughs> dunklings. <Dunklets>. little dunklings <laughs> little ducklings
1: jumped in the water closed over their heads, but they came up again in an instant and swam about quite prettily, with their little legs paddling under them as easily
0: as possible. I can see it in my mind's eye right now—the little ducklings, quack quack, peep peep, quack quack.
1: <laughs> and the ugly duckling was also in the water swimming with them. Oh. See, he is a duck. Ah," oh, said the mother, "that is not a turkey. How <laughs> well he uses his legs and how upright he holds himself!" He is my own child, and he is not so very ugly after all if you look at him properly. Quack, quack, come with me now. I will take you into grand society and introduce you to the farmyard, but you must keep close to me or you may be trodden upon. And above all, beware of the cat. When they reached the farmyard, there was a great disturbance. Two families were fighting for an eel's head, which, after all, was carried off by the cat. See, children, that is the way of the world said the mother duck, wetting her beak, for she would have liked to have the eel's head herself. Come now, use your legs, and let me see how well you can behave. You must bow your heads prettily to that old duck yonder. She is the highest born of them all, and has Spanish blood, therefore she is well off. Ooh. see,
0: si. <laughs> see, si, senora.
1: Don't you see she has a red flag tied to her leg, which is something very grand and a great honor for a duck. It shows that everyone is anxious not to lose her, as she can be recognized both by man and beast. Ooh. Come now, don't turn your toes. A well-bred duckling spreads his feet wide apart, just like his father and mother, in this way. Now bend your neck and say quack. Quack. Quack, quack. (gasps) The duckling did as they were bid, but the other duck stared and said, Look, here comes another brood, as if there were not enough of us already. And what a queer-looking object one of them is. We don't want him here. And then one flew out and bit him on the neck. What? Let him alone, said the mother. He's not doing any harm. Yes, but he is so big and ugly, said the spiteful duck, and therefore he must be turned out.
0: "'Uh, what does that mean?'
1: "'Shame, shun.
0: "'Wow, mm-hmm. just because he's a little, um, different looking?'
1: "'The others are very pretty children,' said the old duck with the rag on her leg. "'All but that one. I wish his mother could improve him a little.'
0: "'Wow, well then.'
1: <laughs> "'That is impossible, your grace,' replied the mother. "'He is not pretty, but he has a very good disposition "'and swims as well or even better than the others. "'I think he will grow up pretty and perhaps be smaller. "'He has remained too long in the egg, "'and therefore his figure is not properly formed.' "'And then she stroked his neck and smoothed the feathers, saying, "'It is a drake, and therefore not of so much consequence. "'I think he will grow up strong and be able to take care of himself.'"
0: What's a drake? Is that a male duck?
1: That's what I assumed. That's my guess. A mandrake. <sniffs> Ba-dum-tsh. Ba-dum-tsh. The other ducklings are graceful enough, said the old duck. Now make yourself at home, and if you can find an eel's head, you can bring it to me.
0: Well, then. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: And so they made themselves comfortable, but the poor duckling, who had crept out of his shell last of all and looked so ugly, was bitten and pushed and made fun of, not only by the ducks, but all the poultry. He's too big, they all said, and the turkey cock, who had been born into the world with spurs, ouch. And fancied himself really an emperor, puffed himself out like a vessel in full sail, and flew at the duckling, and became quite red in the head with passion. So, <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm sorry, who's the ugly one here? Because that's that thing, whatever that thing is you just described. Turkey he, cock. Okay, he's ugly. And I am proud.
1: <laughs> so the, um... He became quite red in the head with passion so that the poor little thing (laughs) did not know where to go and was quite miserable because he was so ugly and laughed at by the whole farmyard.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry, little duck. So it went on from day to day till it got worse
1: and worse. The poor duckling was driven about by everyone. Even his brothers and sisters were unkind to him and would say, You ugly creature. I wish the cat would get you. And his mother said she wished he had never been born. Wow! The ducks pecked him, the chickens beat him, and the girl who fed the poultry kicked him with her feet. So at last he ran away, frightening the little birds in the hedge as he flew over the palings. They are afraid of me because I am ugly, he said. Kind of like Spongebob in that one episode. (laughs) "'So he closed his eyes and flew still farther "'until he came out on a large moor inhabited by wild ducks. "'Here he remained the whole night, "'feeling very tired and sorrowful. "'In the morning, when the wild ducks rose into the air, "'they stared at their new comrade. "'What sort of a duck are you?' (laughs) "'They all said, coming round him. "'He bowed to them and was as polite as he could be, "'but he did not reply to their question. "'You're exceedingly ugly.' said the wild ducks but that will not matter if you do not want to marry one of our family so you're ugly but as long as you don't want to marry us that's fine <laughs> okay wow. poor thing he had no thoughts of marriage all he wanted was permission to lie among the rushes and drink some of the water on the moor after he had been on the moor two days there came two wild geese or rather goslings Ryan
0: um, <laughs> what was the other one's name? brian <laughs> ryan and brian gosling <laughs> um so they
1: were they were young for they had not been out of the egg for long and they were very saucy listen friend said one of them to the duckling you are so ugly that we like you very well
0: <laughs> yeah well will you
1: go with us and become a bird of passage <laughs>
0: after that Sweet compliment. How Doesn't could you everybody not?
1: want an ugly friend to make themselves feel better? Isn't that how that goes? I'm That's not why it. you're my
0: friend, is it? No.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm totally friends with, you know, the girl, the, the young woman with like the prettiest fucking hair in the world so that I can feel better about myself. <laughs> Even though every time we're out, someone's like, Oh my god, your hair is amazing. And then I'm just like, I have shitty, like, thin brunette hair. But yeah, that's why I'm friends with Meg and everybody. To make myself feel better about mm. myself.
0: My hair's not that nice, but it is long and I can wear it like a scarf. See? Or a noose. <laughs> 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 or a noose. <laughs> oh, But anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. Anywho. Ryan and Brian Gosling. Um they were like, Yo, not far from here is another moor, in which there are some pretty wild geese all unmarried. Ooh. It is a chance for you to get a wife. Ow. You, ow. you may be lucky, uh, ugly as you are. <laughs> pop, pop sounded in the air, and the two wild geese fell dead among the rushes, and the water was tinged with blood echoed far and wide in the distance and the whole flocks of wild geese rose up from the rushes Whoa. the sound continued from every direction for the sportsmen surrounded the moor and some were even seated on the branches of trees
0: and then what <laughs>
1: uh, I lost my sentence I'm sorry I distracted you The sound continued from every direction for the sportsmen surrounded the moor and some were even seated on branches of trees overlooking the rushes. The blue smoke from the guns rose like clouds over the dark trees and as it it floated away across the water, a number of sporting dogs bounded in among the rushes which bent beneath them wherever they went. How they terrified the poor duckling! He turned away his head to hide it under his wing and at the same moment a large terrible dog passed quite near him. His jaws were open, his tongue hung from his mouth, and his eyes glared fearfully. He thrust his nose close to the duckling, showed his sharp teeth, and then, splash, splash, he went into the water without touching him. Oh, sighed the duckling. How thankful I am for being so ugly even a dog would not bite me. Phew, thank goodness. And so he lay quite still while the shot rattled through the rushes and gun after gun was fired over him. It was late in the day before all became quiet, but even then the poor young thing did not dare to move. He waited quietly for several hours, and then, after looking carefully around him, hastened away from the moor as fast as he could. He ran over field and meadow till a storm arose, and he could hardly struggle against it. Towards evening, he reached a poor little cottage that seemed ready to fall, and only remained standing because it could not decide which side to fall first.
0: (laughs) That's a fun image
1: that is the storm continued so violent that the duckling could go no farther he sat down by the cottage and then he noticed that the door was not quite closed in consequence of one of the hinges having given away there was a narrow opening near his there was a narrow opening near the bottom large enough for him to slip through which he did very quietly and got shelter for the night a woman a tomcat and a hen lived in this cottage the tomcat whom the mistress called my little son <laughs> was a
0: great favorite. I also call my little cat my he's son. Me. Meow. My Cooper, he's my son. Meow. My only child. Meow. Meow. He's your son, Moon Talia. He is.
1: <laughs> Close enough. He does have a sunny disposition. <laughs> He could raise his back and purr, and could even throw out sparks from his fur if it were stroked the wrong way. Static electricity, I guess? Yeah. The hen had very short legs, so she was called Chicky Short Legs. <laughs> Megan's new nickname. <laughs> what?
0: My new nickname is Chicky Short Legs?
1: <laughs> you always talk about how short your legs are.
0: They are. I have to walk twice as fast to keep up with people. Chicky Short Legs. Well, if the shoe fits. <laughs>
1: She, but the pants. Yeah, don't. I was gonna say if the pants fit. <laughs> she laid good eggs, and her mistress loved her as if she had been her own child. In the morning, the strange visitor was discovered, and the tomcat began to purr, and the hen to cluck.
0: Cluck cluck. I guess I made more of a rooster sound. <laughs> cluck cluck. I don't know how to do a chicken there we go First chicken we are not good chickens we need like a sound board here you know
1: one of those like kids kids keyboards yeah that plays
0: the animal sounds and
1: farts <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> like a bob's good. burgers i'm gonna get one for us yes
1: what is that noise about said the old woman looking around the room but her sight was not very good Therefore, when she saw the duckling, she thought it must be a fat duck that had strayed from home. Oh, what a prize, she exclaimed. I hope it is not a drake. Must be a man. Mm -hmm. For then I shall have some duck's eggs. I must wait and see. So the duckling was allowed to remain on trial for three weeks. But there were no eggs. Now the tomcat was the master of the house, and the hen was mistress, and they always said, "'We are the world, for they believe themselves to be half the world, and the better half, too.' (laughs) "'The duckling thought the others might hold a different opinion on the subject, "'but the hen would not listen to such doubts. "'Can you lay eggs?' she asked. "'No.' "'Then have the goodness to hold your tongue.' (gasps) "'Can you raise your back or purr or throw out sparks?' said the tomcat. "'No.' "'Then you have no right to express an opinion when sensible people are speaking.' Wow! Sassy! Right? So the duckling sat in a corner, feeling very low-spirited, till the sunshine and fresh air came into the room through the open door, and he began to feel such a great longing for a swim on the water that he could not help telling the hen. "'What an absurd idea,' said the hen. "'You have nothing else to do, therefore you have foolish fancies. "'If you could purr or lay eggs, they would pass away.'
0: Yeah, okay, because it's wrong to want to go do something just because it's fun and enjoyable. Poo-poo on you, hen, you fun ruiner. Yeah, suck an egg. (laughs)
1: Lay an egg.
0: (laughs) Go lay an egg.
1: (laughs) But it is so delightful to swim about on the water, said the duckling, and so refreshing to feel it close over your head while you dive down to the bottom. Delightful indeed, said the hen. Why, you must be crazy. "'Ask the cat. He is the cleverest animal I know. "'Ask him how he would like to swim about on the water or to dive under it, "'for I will not speak of my own opinion. "'Ask our mistress, the old woman. "'There is no one in the world more clever than she is. "'Do you think she would like to swim or let the water close over her head?' "'Yeah.' "'You don't understand me,' said the duckling. "'We don't understand you?' Who can understand you, I wonder? Do you consider yourself more clever than the cat or the old woman? I will say nothing of myself. Don't imagine such nonsense, child, and thank your good fortune that you have been received here. Are you not in a warm room and in society from which you may learn something? But you are a chatterer and your company is not very agreeable. Believe me, I speak only for your own good. I may tell you unpleasant truths, but that is a proof of my friendship. I advise you, therefore, to lay eggs and learn to purr as quickly as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. What? I believe I must go out into the world again, said the duckling. Yes, do, said Mm. the hen. So the duckling left the cottage and soon found water on which it could swim and dive, but was avoided by all other animals because of its ugly appearance.
0: Aw, I'm so sorry, Mr. Duck.
1: Autumn came, and the leaves in the forest turned to orange and gold. Then, as winter approached, the wind caught them as they fell and whirled them in the cold air. The clouds, heavy with hail and snowflakes, hung low in the sky, and the ravens stood on the ferns, crying, Croak! Croak! (laughs) Nevermore! (laughs) (laughs) It made me shiver with cold to look at him. All this was very sad for the poor little duckling.
0: Mm.
1: One evening, just as the sun set amid radiant clouds, there came a large flock of beautiful birds out of the bushes. The duckling had never seen any like them before. They were swans, and they curved their graceful necks while their soft plumage showed with dazzling whiteness. They uttered a singular cry as they spread their glorious wings and flew away from those cold regions to warmer countries across the sea. As they mounted higher and higher in the air, the ugly little duckling felt quite a strange sensation as he watched them. He whirled himself in the water like a wheel, stretched out his neck toward them, and uttered a cry so strange that it frightened him. Could he ever forget those beautiful, happy birds? And when at last they were out of sight, he dived under the water and rose again, almost beside himself with excitement, He knew not the names of these birds nor where they had flown, but he felt towards them as he had never felt for any other bird in the world. He was not envious of these beautiful creatures, but wished to be as lovely as they. Poor ugly creature, how gladly he would have lived even with the ducks had they only given him encouragement. The winter grew colder and colder. He was obliged to swim about on the water to keep it from freezing. But every night, the space on which he swam became smaller and smaller. Mm. At length, it froze so hard that the ice in the water crackled as he moved, and the duckling had to paddle with his legs as well as he could to keep the space from closing up. He became exhausted at last and lay still and helpless, frozen fast in the ice. No,
0: this fairy tale makes me really sad. Oh, like, multiple times. I know. Like, it's a heart-wrenching fairy tale. Which I feel ridiculous saying after reading the true crime No, story. but it's yeah. one of those things where
1: it doesn't get better from here.
0: I know. Stop. Can we just be done now? It's too sad.
1: No, we have to, like, get to the positive point. Ugh, fine. Fine, keep going through the sad. Early in the morning, a peasant who was passing by saw what had happened. He broke the
0: ice in pieces with his wooden shoe. <laughs> Do you think that's a different shoe that he carries that he doesn't wear? I hope.
1: He's into clogs. I don't know.
0: He's Maybe he's Danish. That's exactly what I thought of. This is a Danish fairy tale.
1: It is. Hans Christian Andersen. So. Possible. He broke the ice in pe. Oh, yeah. I read that part. With his wooden shoe. We know. The warmth revived the poor little creature but when the children wanted to play with him the duckling thought they would do him some harm so he started up in terror fluttered into the milk pan and splashed the milk about the room then the woman clapped her hands which frightened him still more he flew first into the butter cask then into the meal tub and out again do what you
0: a- I'm sorry to interrupt but do you have either a milk pan a butter cask or a meal tub <laughs>
1: No, I do not have any of those things. I also don't have an ugly duckling.
0: Oh, well, good thing, because he would have flown into all of them.
1: What a condition he was in. The woman screamed and struck at him with the tongs. The children laughed and screamed and tumbled over each other in their efforts to catch him. But luckily he escaped. The door stood open. The poor creature could just manage to slip out among the bushes and lie down quite exhausted in the newly fallen snow. It would be very sad, were I, to relate all the misery and privations which this poor little duckling endured during the hard winter. But when it had passed, he found himself lying one morning in a moor, amongst the rushes. He felt the warm sun shining, and he heard the lark singing, and saw that all around was beautiful spring. Then the young bird felt that his wings were strong as he flapped them against his sides and rose high into the air. They bore him onwards until he found himself in a large garden, before he well knew how it had happened. The apple trees were in full blossom, and the fragrant elders bent their long green branches down to the stream which wound round in a smooth lawn. Everything looked beautiful in the freshness of early spring. From a thicket close by came three beautiful white swans, rustling their feathers and swimming lightly over the smooth water. The duckling remembered the lovely birds and felt more strangely unhappy than ever. "'I will fly to those royal birds,' he exclaimed, "'and they will kill me because I am so ugly and dare to approach them. "'But it does not matter. "'Better be killed by them than pecked by the ducks, beaten by the hens, "'pushed about by the maiden who feeds the poultry or starves with hunger in the winter. "'Then he flew to the water and swam towards the beautiful swans.' The moment they espied the stranger, they rushed to meet him with outstretched wings.
0: "'Oh, it's getting happy!'
1: "'Kill me!' said the poor bird, and he bent his neck down to the surface of the water and awaited death. Mm. But what did he see in the clear stream below? His own image. No longer a dark, grey bird, ugly and disagreeable to look at, but a graceful and beautiful swan.
0: "'Yay! He's a swan! He's a swan!'
1: To be born in a duck's nest in a farmyard is of no consequence to a bird if it is hatched from a swan's egg. He now felt glad at having suffered sorrow and trouble because it enabled him to enjoy so much better all the pleasure and happiness around him. For the great swans swam round their newcomer and stroked his neck with their beaks as a welcome. Into the garden presently came some little children and threw bread and cake into the water. See, cried the youngest, there is a new one. And the rest were delighted and ran to their father and mother, dancing and clapping their hands and shouting joyously, There is another swan come, a new one has arrived. Yay, it's a swan! Then they threw more bread and cake into the water and said, This new one is the most beautiful of all. He is so young and pretty. (gasps) He's beautiful and young and pretty and he gets cake and bread. And the old swans bowed their heads before him. Then he felt quite ashamed, and hid his head under his wing, for he did not know what to do. He was so happy, and yet not at all proud. He had been persecuted and despised for his ugliness, and now he heard them say he was the most beautiful of all birds. Even the elder tree bent its boughs into the water before him, and the sun shone warm and bright. Then he rustled his feathers, curved his slender neck, and cried joyfully from the depths of his heart. I never dreamed of such happiness as this while I was an ugly duckling.
0: Oh, the end. It's so happy.
1: (gasps) We should probably just end our episode right here, right? You know?
0: On a happy note? (laughs) On a happy... (laughs) The only happy note for the rest of the episode? Yeah. I mean, there might be, like, one other slightly happy note, but that's it.
1: I don't think there's even one when Gertrude dies cancer is a bitch (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) Uh,
0: well uh, 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 so so the moral of the ugly ugly duckling is even though you are suffering going through the suffering part is going to make it all that much better when you get out of the suffering part and into the end right sure (laughs) you can suffer but then but then it's gonna be beautiful i know but like in harry potter you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) good one i
0: mean it is
1: (laughs) i just keep thinking of like the next story we're gonna talk about and all the suffering and no no good no retribution
0: Mm -mm. no
1: so today we're also going to be covering uh another the story of the murder of uh, Sylvia Likens. Spoiler
0: or Sarah? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously.
1: Obvi. Oh my god, we talk about murder here? Never. Never Please, we ever talk about like wine lying and <laughs> um, <laughs> um pretending to be wealthy. Yeah. And thinking you killed um a Muslim, but he actually choked on fish bones and your neighbor snuck him down your chimney
0: right basically so yeah we don't talk about no no murder
1: real crime and murder murder so if you don't know the story of sylvia likens buckle up this is not good it is a doozy and a half in three quarters maybe i think
0: maybe it's two whole doozies
1: i think it's two whole doozies guys
0: this is two whole doozies which is probably the <laughs> only
1: joke we're gonna be able to make i don't think there's gonna be any there's more gonna laughter. be no more
0: laughter no more funny the rest is gonna be very solemn and serious so don't worry for those of you that think we aren't funny we will make no jokes for the rest of the episode
1: no accents either no um so grab your little cats on grab your little cats up um and be prepared for some torture and death
0: yeah maybe just like uh, a blankie (laughs) grab a blankie hold your blankie hold your blankie (laughs) hold your blankie hold your your kitty on your lap your children your mother don't listen with your children or your mother
1: (laughs) yeah don't put your earbuds in and then grab them there you go and hold them close tiny dancer
0: so Tiny dancer. Grab your Tony
1: Danza. <laughs> um, so we're going to Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: Indianapolis, Indiana.
1: The 60s. And uh, we're going to talk about the death of a child. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So before we get into it, uh, Sylvia Marie Likens, the center of this story... Was born on January 3rd, 1949. She was the third of five children born to Lester Cecil Likens and Elizabeth Frances Betty. She went by Betty. Um, she was right uh, in the middle of Diana, Diana and Daniel and then younger siblings, Jenny and Benny.
0: Who were two sets of twins. Yeah.
1: So, it's kind of odd. But yeah. Um, so, the Likens were pretty poor, and there wasn't a lot of stability in their home. As is such with Carney's. Well, yes, uh, Lester had worked many jobs throughout the years. He kind of, he bounced around a lot. The family bounced around a lot. Um, he had some background working in factories, doing some, like, laundry services, and at one point he owned his own restaurant, which was not a success, but they kind of found their best source of income being, as Megan mentioned, uh, carnies. So, they often sold things like candy, beer, and soda at carnivals around Indiana throughout the summer. Um,
0: they were very poor, though. They were like, very poor. Like, severe financial distress.
1: <laughs> yeah. At all times. And that's not easy when you have five children to raise. Word. So, obviously... The travel involved with carnival life isn't really the best thing for the kids, so the parents would often, like, leave them places, usually, like, the grandmother's house, when they were doing the circuit, uh,
0: specifically, like, the younger kids, um, especially the girls. I think the boys tried, were supposed to try and help and work, um. See, and I heard, I heard varying accounts of this, too, um like I did read that like
1: the boys would help but then I read in some instances where the boys would be left at the grandmother's house and the girls other places except for Diana who was old enough to ma- be- she was married in the summer of 1965 which we're going to talk about right um so she's married not really 100% sure about the other boys because I figure if they're t- if they're twins and Diana's old enough to be married why is the other boy staying
0: like, what's he, you know what I mean? Right. Is he working? Nobody knows here. They're not the focus of this story, so we're no. not going to go into too much detail And with I've, like, heard, like, half
1: and half. Like, uh, I read some different articles and, like, you know, Wikipedia
0: and, like, some of them, like, two of them kind of, like, said one thing, two of them said the other. So maybe, maybe it was a situation where, one, the boys were old enough to work, and they could work, and they were around, well, and they worked, when they weren't old enough to work, or when the parents were traveling, and they needed to be in school, the parents would leave yeah. them somewhere to attend school. So. That's kind of the gist of what I understand. Yeah.
1: The, the one that, like, Daniel, I can see him working, I can't see Benny working because, because he's he's the, too young. Him and Jenny are the youngest. Right. Um, anyway, Sorry. Tangent, not the point. But, so, the summer of 1965, I read that um, Lester decided to return to carnival work while his wife was in prison for shoplifting. So, obviously, he's not going to take the kids with him. And I guess, at the very least, Benny was sent to live with his grandmother. Like I mentioned, Diana was married, so she wasn't in the picture. And then, for whatever reason, like... Sylvia and Jenny were not sent to live with their grandmother as well. I have no idea if just like, oh, I can't handle three kids. Give me the boy. Like I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't send your daughters
0: to their grandma. Either. Probably not worth us speculating over. No, but like, I, it is a weird situation. It's a very weird situation. I don't think that the lichens were intentionally absent parents or, like, meant ill harm to their children by not being around. But I don't think that they paid too much attention to what they were doing with their children. I think they, they kind of just were like, oh, they're with somebody else. They're responsible for them at this point. As long as they're fine, they're fine kind of deal. You know what I mean? It's like, I think they thought, I think the parents thought they were doing the best they could by letting them go be with somebody else. And whatever was going on, they were happy to let that happen. Yeah, because, you know what I mean. Like I think that they didn't mean ill will towards their children or mean to be bad parents. I mean, I think they just didn't give a shit. Either yeah, way. exactly. That's what I mean. So um, they were fine to pass them off to somebody else to watch.
1: Exactly. So. so yeah, I just I just thought it was strange. Like it struck me as odd. Like if you're gonna send one or two of your kids to a relative's <laughs> house, and but part of it is also just because of what happens in the story. Right. I think I do remember
0: reading that the parents. For whatever reason, they decided to leave them with Gertrude because of school. Was what I had originally read in the one article that I read. But yeah. who knows what's true, honestly.
1: But <laughs> they didn't even know this, like, woman that well, from my understanding. They were introduced to a woman named Gertrude Banazuski banazeski Banazuski Something like that. Um, Banaszewski?
0: Banaszewski? I don't know. Banaszewski? I don't know. Um, We're just going to call her Gertrude or Gertie.
1: Yeah. So a mutual friend introduced the Likens to Gertie, uh, who lived in a big rented house at the corner of East New York and Denny. Whatever the fuck that means. If
0: Somewhere if in know, Indiana. In,
1: if you know Indianapolis. Um, And so she said that she was willing to look after Jenny and Sylvia For $20 a week. $20 in 1965 money. So, as a teenager, Sylvia, like, earned some money, uh, like, babysitting, running errands, and doing some ironing for friends and family. Uh, she's been described as friendly, confident, and a lively girl with long, wavy, light brown hair extending below her shoulders. Uh, and she was known as Cookie to her friends. Cute. Cute. She was a rather exuberant child. Uh, her younger sister, Jenny, on the other hand, was more shy, more insecure and reserved. And she had a bit of a limp from polio as a child. So she's more fragile. Definitely. Um, Gertie, as now I'm going to call her because Megan brought it up and I think it's funny. Uh, Gertie. Gertie. Yeah. Uh, Gertie did not live in that big house alone, did she, Megan?
0: Oh my lord, no she did not. What, did she, had she had... have like one or two kids? No, no, no. <laughs> she had quite the brood. What did she have, seven children? She had seven children. Seven children. Uh,
1: Ages 17, 12, 15, 11, 10, and uh, 18 months old. <laughs> so from ranging from 18 months to 17 years old. Holy smokes. That is a brood. Yes. Not that I'm judging, that's just a lot of kids. I yeah. mean, my mom's one of eight, so I guess I get it.
0: Yeah, my mom's one of seven. So, so. and
1: the other thing we definitely know about Gertie is that she was just as poor as the lichens. So oh, yeah. she wasn't... It's not like she was living in this big house with all of her children just rolling in the dough.
0: No, she didn't have a job from what I understand no income, as far really. as just doing side jobs for people around town to help make some extra pennies and trying to hustle her ex-husband for child support. Exactly. To make their whopping $55 a month rent payment.
1: Yeah. So, um, the six, I think like the six oldest kids had her last name and then the last had a different last name right, uh, because of her. Because like, of his, her three three f- the three different fathers of her children, yeah. technically. So. Um and so like the house wasn't well taken care of. It pretty, was pretty dilapidated. A shit hole. Yeah. It was a really run down house. Now normally I wouldn't let my kids stay at a run down house. Um, with seven other children, and a woman I don't know. But, uh, Lester didn't really care. He didn't actually do much prodding into the house at all. Nope. He didn't want to get into her business. Nope. Which is the opposite thing you want to do if you're entrusting somebody with your two daughters. Exactly. <laughs> get in their business. Yes. Um, and so she wasn't a fit guardian from the get-go, but she gets, I think, what she does is beyond anybody's wildest expectations. Um, so even though people agreed and, like, stated that his daughters were generally good children, uh, apparently Lester cryptically requested that Gertie straighten his daughters out. Something Whatever tells me fuck that that's means.
0: not true. But okay.
1: Well, who knows? We
0: Right. Um, things
1: in the... Benazeski, Benazuski, whatever the fuck her last name is, household were all right for the first couple weeks.
0: Were they? Eh,
1: they were. I mean, as probably as all good right as is it. a good word for it. All right, they were just all right. Um, but Gertie's oldest daughter Paula butted head with heads with Sylvia quite frequently. They were both pretty much the same age. So you know there might have been some weird even like jealousy issues. I don't know. I mean Paula doesn't seem like a very great child. No, and Sylvia and was supposedly
0: know, very pretty and, and kind. And, and she, I
1: mean, I've seen pictures. She definitely was pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think from the last year, we know, looks are not everything, people. Mm. Um, so then one week, Lester kind of missed a payment. Uh, he did. Uh, Gertie did not receive her money order. Or the the cashier's check the day that she was supposed to.
0: Right. Lester had agreed to pay Gertie $20 a week in exchange for care of his daughters. And I think
1: he paid her, like, once a month or something. Like, up for something. So, you know, she kind of flew off the handle with this. Like, not getting her fucking money. And Jenny later said that she told them, she told the girls, I took care of you bitches for two weeks for nothing
0: yeah because she was not being had not been paid yet for those two weeks of care so
1: what did she do sarah oh in anger (laughs) she grabbed sylvia by the arm and dragged her into the room uh closing the door and uh jenny had to listen to her sister scream without being able to do anything Mm, so why was she screaming Um, you tell us megan
0: uh gertie thought that it would be a great idea to beat sylvia with a paddle Mm. a quarter inch thick paddle and say things uh like sarah had mentioned like i had to take care of you bitches for two weeks with no payment so uh yeah so she whooped her ass uh yeah and uh here's the thing 15 times on the butt
1: yeah here's the thing the money came the next day. Really? It did, but How terrible. the torture had only just begun. So Gertrude abused both Jenny and Sylvia. Now, if you look at pictures of her, she's very frail. Um, Gertrude is very frail looking. She's very underweight. She's like tiny, sickly, tiny old lady, tiny little lady. looking. Um, even though I think at the, she was like 37 or something, right? When yep. this happened, she looks a lot older than she is. It looks
0: like she's like in her 50s or 60s. Yeah. Easily.
1: So, she had two different weapons that she used. Megan talked about one of them. Uh, she had a, like a fraternity style paddle. Yep. For whooping, And she also had a thick leather belt that was left behind by her ex-husband, John. A pol- police belt. Yeah, he was an Indianapolis police officer. And Gertie paddled the girls for basically any offense, like, every little thing. Even things they didn't do. Exactly. That's the kind of person she was. And then, because, like I said, she's frail and she had asthma, so even when Gertrude was too, like, sick or weak to continue beating, don't worry, her daughter Paula took over, so they still got their, you know, They got their ass whooping.
0: No matter what. <laughs> At some point,
1: the abuse turned pretty much exclusively to Sylvia. Like, she took the brunt of all of the physical abuse. Um, When Gertrude suspected Sylvia of stealing, uh, she used matches to burn the girl's fingers.
0: Yep. Or put her cigarette out on her hands. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, she took her to a church function at one point and force, fret, force fed her free hot dogs until Sylvia was sick. Then, as a punishment for throwing up perfectly good food, uh, Gertrude forced Sylvia to eat her own vomit. It's fucking witch.
0: Yep. No comment.
1: And uh, Gertrude and Paula were not alone in the torture of Sylvia, were they?
0: unfortunately no nope
1: uh some of gertrude's other children got involved as did oh i don't know some neighborhood kids neighborhood fucking kids
0: how would you feel if you were a parent and you found out like your little little johnny your son little johnny was hanging down the street at the um the no at, whatever whatever but a house and uh house. <laughs> was involved in beating other children like, I don't even. Wouldn't you feel a rage at that mom that you'd want to go beat her? Yeah, I'd like, also
1: probably be pretty pissed at my kids, too, for I mean, thinking yeah. that that was okay. Exactly. I mean, I know it's a different time, and like, kids are susceptible to other people, like, to adults and stuff, because she's an authority figure, but. Still, man. Like, come on. I remember when I first heard about this story, and like, I mean, we're cutting out some details here just a lot because of it's very gruesome, but holy hell.
0: Like, oh kids beating kids man yeah and not just like beating them up like you bully people like this is bad beating them yeah
1: but gertrude encouraged all of it mm-hmm. uh the children took turns practicing their karate on her yep she was a judo dummy um they hurled her against the wall they kicked her and beat her Some kids extinguished cigarettes on her skin. Sometimes
0: they kicked her in the genitals and yelled at her, told her she was pregnant.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they would cut her and salt her wounds. And after they tortured her, like this, they would cleanse her for her sins in a scalding hot bath.
0: And then, if she fell asleep or passed out in the tub, Gertrude would whack her head against the sidewall of the bathtub to wake her up. This is all real
1: the way for
0: real um after
1: you know uh some time of abuse sylvia was so beaten and sexually abused so badly because they would shove things like coke bottles up there uh that she couldn't use the bathroom voluntarily
0: nope she became incontinent
1: and then when she wet her bed Gertie decided that she wasn't fit to live with the rest of the children and was subsequently banished to the basement without access to food or a toilet. So. What and what? A, well, I was just going to say, you know, if you're wondering, cause like we were just wondering how Gertrude was able to recruit kids like from the neighborhood to help with this. Um, she had different ways Uh, She told Paula's friends, for instance, that Sylvia had called her daughter a whore so that uh, Paula's friends would come over and beat the shit out of Sylvia.
0: Yep, so they started to lie and make things up Mm -hmm. that Sylvia wasn't actually doing her saying just for an excuse to uh, entertain themselves with her body. Exactly.
1: Like, uh, another girl recalled how Gertrude said Sylvia had been spreading rumors about this girl's mother sleeping with men for $5. Uh, and then she told the girl, I don't care what you do to Sylvia. Yep. Yep. She invited her to her home and just watched as this girl, Anna, threw Sylvia down to the ground, beat her face, and kick, and kick the shit out of her.
0: Yep. Literally sat there and crocheted while it happened.
1: Um, she also told all these kids that Sylvia was a prostitute. Her words, not ours. Mm-hmm. Um... And this is disgusting, not that the rest of this isn't, but Gertrude even began carving the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, into her abdomen using a needle. Yep. And when she couldn't finish, a boy from the neighborhood named Richard Hobbs finished the etching into her skin.
0: It's a 15-year-old boy. No big deal. No big deal. 15-year-olds just branding other 15-year-olds. Yeah, why not? I totally guess. normal man like not fucked up at all
1: ugh. neighborhood block party i guess god i don't even want to ugh.
0: neighborhood flog party um sylvia was not in good shape mentally no.
1: physically spiritually uh she told her sister three days before she died she told her that she felt that she was gonna die. Yeah,
0: she said, "I know you don't want me to, or you're. I know you're scared, but I'm. I'm going to die. I can feel it. Something along and those lines." She was not wrong.
1: Nope. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, Gertrude herself realized that Sylvia was likely dying, uh, so she forced the girl to write a note saying that a gang of boys beat her up
0: yep so basically gertrude made her uh dictated to her exactly what she wanted to write so that in the event that sylvia did die there was evidence that it was somebody other than gertrude uh yeah the
1: plan in itself doesn't make much sense like considering what happens and the rest of her plan which we're gonna get into but it's I guess she tried to cover her tracks, but in a really stupid way.
0: I don't think she's (laughs) really that intelligent of a woman. Clearly not. No. Clearly not. Nope.
1: Um, so the plan was that Gertrude wanted to blindfold Sylvia and dump her in the nearby woods with the note saying that boys had beat her up. Right. So, you know, I don't know when... It, you know, again, if if you were a crime scene investigator and you find a girl either dead or dying in the middle of the woods with a note that a gang of boys beat her up. how Like, it doesn't make sense. No. It doesn't make sense. I watched too much Dateline, guys.
0: To know what's uh, feasible or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> of course, Sylvia tried to escape, but Gertrude and one of the boys stopped her, beating her and throwing her into the basement so she did not have an out and then finally after three months of complete and utter hell on earth she died on october 26 1965 from what was later determined as a brain hemorrhage shock and malnutrition because remember she was locked in the basement and the only food she received was they would sometimes throw down crackers
0: Yep. Uh, they also I did read one time shortly before she died, um, they had taken poop from the baby's mm-hmm. diaper and stuffed it in her mouth. The boys and then, made her
1: lick the baby, the young baby's diaper, and then
0: they and then they gave her a glass of water and said that she had to drink it, and it was all she was going to get that day. So like essentially forcing her to swallow the poop that they fed her, you know, so that she could have water. I mean, she was. Even though they threw her in the basement and she was close to death, she was so delirious and dehydrated at this point that I don't think she even like reg- like pain didn't register her yeah. register to her like I don't think I don't think she knew what she was going through at that point. I think by then she was done even trying to fight like that last attempt she gave to try and run away and she was too weak to even do that. And they threw her in the basement. I think at that point she just gave up. I mean, what more could you possibly do? I know. At one point when she was in the basement, they gave her a rotten pear to try and eat, and she tried to bite into it and said that she could feel how loose all her teeth were because of the malnutrition. Yeah, if you're not getting Mm -hmm. calcium and shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just, it's crazy. The state that she was in by the time that she was, like, in the basement for the last three days that she was alive, she should have been dead, you know, already then. The fact that she lived long enough for them to torture her to this extent is insane. It's just crazy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And
0: then because
1: Sylvia had died in the house before, you know, they got to do Gertrude's plan, they did end up calling the police. She had the one boy call the police from a pay phone because the house didn't have a working phone. Oh. I'm shocked. And when they arrived, um, she stuck to her story. She said that, you know, oh, Sylvia had been out with boys in the woods and they'd beaten her to death and carved those words into her body. But, you know... Waited and she had enough time to write
0: a note, but we didn't think to call the police. Right. And Gertrude said, Oh, she's been, you know, I've been tending to her wounds for hours and then she died, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: which was proven quite quickly wrong.
1: Exactly. Because. If, I can only imagine, like, for being abused for so long and in so many different ways, like, you're going to have partially healed things. It's not like they were all fresh wounds.
0: No, she was in, like, if you read the autopsy report, you can read about the insane amount of different, oh my God. um, <clears throat> just, uh, wounds that she had, mm-hmm. internal, external, the different variations. She was lacerated, she was burned, she had boils, she had scabs, she had... Hemorrhaging lesions. She had bruises. She had... She was branded um, multiple times.
1: She had over 100 cigarette burns on her body. Um, she had muscle and nerve damage. Mm -hmm. She had
0: completely bitten through her lips. uh Uh-huh.
1: Nearly severing each of them off. That was when in her death throes, like, as she was dying. Can
0: you imagine that? Biting through your
1: lips. so hard that they're almost completely severed. Um... So, mm-hmm. while the police were at the house, Jenny took her chance with them and said, uh, as soon as she could get close enough to a police officer, she told them, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Thank God. Um, and so, the police arrested Gertrude, Paula, uh, the one daughter, Stephanie.
0: Mm-hmm. Who was, also, who was close in age to Jenny.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and John, her son. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also arrested Richard Hobbs, who I mentioned earlier. Neighborhood boy. As well as another neighborhood boy named Coy Hubbard. Uh, they also arrested more neighborhood participants, uh, Mike Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene McGuire, Judy Duke, and Anna Sisko, who I had talked about earlier. Right. Um, they were arrested for injury to person.
0: Good. Good on them.
1: Uh but those would those charges would be later dropped against those people. Sorry. Um but and then of course all these miners would blame Gertrude for being pressured to right. partake.
0: Oh yes. in her murder. Oh yes.
1: Um good old Gertie. Mhm. So in May of 1966, the case of the State of Indiana versus Gertrude John and Paula and Ricky and Coy.
0: Gertie and Co. <laughs> uh, Gertie and Co.
1: <laughs> um took commenced. Um so obviously the prosecu- prosecution prosecution sought the death penalty for all involved because of how completely and utterly brutal this murder was. Um so John and Hobbs were 13 and 14 at the time. So, uh Paula yeah. was like, you know, 17, 18 and also pregnant.
0: <laughs> yep. We didn't
1: mention that. Uh, and so her, the court trial was actually interrupted when she uh, was rushed to the hospital to give birth to a daughter who she named Gertrude. Bleh! It's because she stood behind her mother. For a while. So in a show of solidarity, she named her daughter Gertrude. Uh, ultimately, even though Gertrude had tried to plead... Uh, not guilty due to the reason of insanity. insanity.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I'm sure she's insane in the membrane, but y'all need But to...
0: she's not so insane that she didn't know what she, she fucking was doing. She knew
1: what she was doing.
0: She knew what she was doing. Insane, like,
1: not that I would like to use the word insane, but, like, somebody with, like, the mental issues or mental capacity that deserves to be declared not guilty due to reason of insanity does not have, like, the foresight to have the girl write a note, a note yeah, exactly. prior to her death because you don't take people you generally i've watched enough crime shows and listened to enough st- like you know true crime podcasts and things talking about these kinds of cases where it's like usually if a person who is thought to be guilty of a crime shows any like, any forethought any at forethought all. or takes the steps to hide the commission of their crime That's, like, pretty much a red flag of, like, they're not, they can't use this as a defense. Um, Right, because an insane person isn't going to think about that. (laughs) Exactly. So, on May 19th, 1966, Gertie was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Uh, She was spared the death penalty, even though, I guess, her lawyer admitted something that, in my opinion, she ought to go to the electric chair.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree, Mr. Lawyer.
1: Paula was also found guilty, but of second degree murder, and was also given a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Hobbs and her son John and another neighborhood boy Coy were convicted of manslaughter and
0: were sentenced to like I think it was like twenty one. It was two to two to twenty one years. Yeah, so a minimum Uh, of two, max of twenty one.
1: They um, served
0: less than two. Spoiler alert. Spoiler
1: alert. Well, here's here's another uh, interesting turn of events. In 1971, the Indiana Supreme Court granted Gertie and Paula a new trial due to the prejudicial atmosphere because, you know, this trial took place in the hometown where it happened and like, oh, well, these people like were biased against us from the get go, yada, yada, yada. Right. But thankfully, Gertie was once again found guilty and given a life sentence. Yeah. Um, Paula decided to plead guilty to a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter, uh, in order to avoid another trial and potentially get another life sentence. Right. And, uh, she served two years in prison. Yep.
0: Yep. Two years. Two Um,
1: whopping years. Like Megan said, the boys also served two years before they were released, uh, on good behavior in 1968. So... They were released before Gertie and Paula even had their retrial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then because life isn't fair, Gertrude was released Because on she was a model
0: prisoner, guys. She in, was a model uh, prisoner.
1: Yep, at the, uh, in December of 1985. And she ended up changing her name to Nadine Van Fossen.
0: Her middle name and her uh, maiden name, maiden last yep. name. Yep, and uh, said she was a devout Christian. Get that. Yep. <laughs> she moved to
1: Iowa, where she lived until she died of lung cancer in
0: 1990. <laughs> Jenny cut out the obituary from the paper and sent it to her mom and said, Look, Mom, good news. Old Gertrude's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was my bit of good news. That is, that's the one bit. There you go. That is the, the, the one, one shining spot news. in this whole story. Yeah.
1: Because none of these people, in my opinion, got, got what they deserved. Got what they deserved. No. Because... Paula, after she served her two years, she married and moved to a farm in Iowa, changed her name and everything. Oh, good for you, oh, Paula. And at some point, she became a teacher's aide. I'm sorry, she worked with children? She worked with children after being accused of, you know, murdering, murdering one. a child? Oh, sorry, voluntary manslaughtering a child. Oh, oh, oopsies, my um, bad. But when people found out who she really was, oh, they petitioned, the they petitioned, like, they left anonymous tips and petitioned the she school. Got so she was suspended from her position in uh, 2012 uh, when they found out that she was involved in the death of Good Sylvia on you. Uh John, <laughs> her son, who, you know, also only served two years, uh, became a minister in Texas uh, where he counseled children of divorced parents what the fuck
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh Hobbs at least died of cancer at the age of 21
0: very so, young rightful death sorry, uh, not sorry sorry
1: which was only four years after he was released and uh Hubbard had had several brushes with the law
0: oh yeah he's he's uh bad guy for life I think. yeah
1: <laughs> uh Lester and Betty Likens did divorce uh, Betty remarried and died in 1998 at the age of 71. And unfortunately, Jenny died in 2004 at only 54 years old. Mm, so. Very sad. Very sad. Not too much uh, happiness. Like, usually, sometimes at least when we have, like, a brutal case like this, we could at least say, like, justice was served. But I really don't feel I don't like feel that justice either. was served. I'm sorry, but... Those kids, I get it, like, they were 13 and
0: 14 years old, but it's, like... You... I think when you're 13 and 14, you know right and wrong, though. Like, you, you know... You should. You know... You know the golden rule. Like, when you are a kindergartner, you learn not to hit other kids. Like, when you are five years old, if you have good parents, but, they say, no, no, we don't hit people. But even beyond
1: that, like, to not tell an adult, like, to not tell anybody, like, nowadays, like... I mean, and maybe it's, I don't know, but it's just, like, you'd think that you should know th- at that point that, and I don't know much about kids, so maybe we're wrong with the developmental stage, but that's middle school age nowadays, 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there is, like, you nowadays at least you see an adult abusing a child or trying to get you involved, you'd think you'd at least tell anybody and I think what really bothers me is that just this happened for so long, and like nobody said anything, nobody noticed. And I know you could say, well, for a while, Jenny and Sylvia, like they were going to school, they could have told an adult. Jenny said that the reason they never said anything was because they didn't actually expect the police to do anything. They just
0: thought if they tried to tell somebody what It'd was happening, more trouble would be. It worse. would be worse. Yeah. So actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I did want to talk about. There are a couple instances of people trying to report... Including the what, sister. Yeah, so um, we mentioned Sylvia and Jenny's older sister, Diana. Um, there's two circumstances during the time period where where they were being abused where they ran into their sister um, completely by happenstance in a park. Um, one instance, Jenny and Sylvia were walking through the park. They ran into Diana. Sylvia had told her older sister that she was hungry because she was being starved at home, so Diana gave her a sandwich. Well... One of the younger siblings, one of the younger kids, one of Gertie's kids, tattled on her, and, you know, Gertie got mad at her and beat her. So, of course, Jenny and and Sylvia were scared from that point to try and tell anybody what was going on because they realized anytime they said something, the beatings just got worse. Exactly, because, you know, I mean, she had all these little spies. Right, so then there was another instance where they ran into Diana and they tried to explain to her what was happening, and Diana just thought that they were kind of like, you know, just kids complaining about strict parenting kind of thing, like, oh, they probably are misbehaving and getting, you know getting punished like Mm -hmm. they should be um and there was actually a point where diana showed up to the house to Mm -hmm. check in on things and gertie made it very clear to diana that um it was diana's father who said that she was not to be allowed into the house meaning uh mr Likens had told gertie like don't let diana in the house which wasn't true but gertrude knew better than to let people come sniffing around in her house exactly and as like her even though like, Diana's their sister, she, it's not like she can force herself into somebody else's house. Exactly. So then there was another instance where um, a neighbor had reported that a girl covered in open sores was living inside Gertrude's house. So um, the school nurse, who hadn't seen Sylvia in some time, went to the house to check on her, and Gertrude said oh no, we're having problems with Sylvia, she's prostituting herself, she's a wild child, we can't Mm -hmm. control her, she keeps running away. And basically made it out to be that Sylvia is this uncontrollable kid and, you know, she won't bathe herself and she won't keep hygienic habits and that's why she is open source. Exactly. So the nurse never suspected a thing, left and never came back.
1: And then at other times, she just said that the Lycan girls weren't living there anymore. Right. You know, so it's like... How can you prove anything par- can- her actual parents aren't around exactly and you know Sylvia's living in the basement even if somebody did come
0: to the house well Sylvia doesn't live here anymore right so then the only other instance I heard or read of where somebody tried to tried to report something or knew something was going on and didn't say something was within the final hours of Sylvia's life um, Sylvia had actually heard Gertie telling somebody about her plan to abandon her in the woods so while she was trapped in the basement the only thing she could do to try and save herself was yell and scream and bang on the um, bricks in the basement with a a trowel, like, you know, a a spade from the garden. So she did this for some time, for as long as she possibly could, but when the screaming and the noise stopped, um, the neighbor who had been hearing it and had realized it was coming from Gertrude's house figured, oh, well, the noise went away, so I guess I'd better just, you know, keep my nose out of their business. So as somebody who is a court-mandated child abuse reporter... Me, dental hygienist, Mm -hmm. Megan, required by law that if I even suspect something, I have to report it, even if I'm not on the job. I think that that should be everybody. I think that, um, you know, and it is for a lot of people. Anybody who works with kids or comes into contact with kids, you are also a mandated court reporter. Um, You have to report something to the child abuse hotline if you suspect anything. Mm -hmm. But I truly believe that uh, if you... If you see kids who you feel like are being mistreated or malnourished or something's going on, you know, if you hear something strange going on down the house, down the street from your house, in your neighborhood, like, uh, I understand it's probably tough to put yourself out there and be like, oh, I think something shady might be going on. But you can anonymously report these things. So uh, Mm. while we're on this topic, I would encourage you all, if you see something shady... Call somebody. Seriously, because, like... like, you don't know what is going on, and wouldn't you rather be safe than sorry? You can anonymously report something. And if nothing is going
1: on, like, yes, it's an inconvenience, but that's all it is. And if something is going on, you could potentially save a kid's life. Yeah. Or just a human's life in general.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah, so be a good person. Look out for your fellow uh, humans.
1: And I think that's, like, what bothered me the most about both of these stories is
0: because... I mean... Everybody saw the, what was going on and did nothing about it. And, like, and people were involved. And, How you know... How can so many people be involved and not one person be like, exactly. this is wrong?
1: Exactly. And, like, we've, you know, we've covered some, like, some gruesome stories. But most of them have been about adults. You know what I mean? This is a 16-year-old This is a 16-year-old child. child so th- that really bothers me. And especially because it's, like, there's, you know, there's children involved, but... At the like the center of it is a fucking adult yep. who just has something against this child put into her care, and that really bothers me. And even though you know the Ugly Duckling story kind of pale, like in, it comparison, in comparison, but, but it's still, still very sad. It's it's literally even like all these other you know people in the neighborhood ganging like on the farm or whatever ganging up on this. One small, helpless For nothing. duckling. For nothing. Because he's ugly. Because they view him as an outsider. And I think this relates to so many
0: things. Like, it's the other. Like, we don't like it. But it's like, that doesn't give you an excuse. Just because-, because you have a certain thought about somebody or something and you don't like it does not give you the right to do whatever you want about that person or that thing. Exactly. Does not give you control over it. And even like the mother, at
1: first she was like, oh, well, yeah, he's ugly, but he's still good. Even in the end, she's like, I wish you we were never born. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> and so I think, like, I've been putting off doing this episode because it's just like both stories bother me. They're freaking so messed much. up. <laughs> They're messed up. But, you know, I thought, you know, it just seems like something important to talk about because this kind of stuff still goes on like even though this case like Sylvia died in 1965 like I still hear even local stories about the things that people do to like either their children or children put in their care I mean how many times do we hear these stories of like adults who take in foster kids and abuse them and Mm -hmm. it's just it's so heartbreaking it is that people think it's okay to do that not just to children but to anybody like
0: yeah I you know it it all comes back to that just being respectful of life like exactly like be be a decent human being and be respectful of life and it's frag it's fragility you know just because somebody isn't the way that you want them to be or they're different than you it doesn't give you a right to have you know, any, any say in their situation or their exactly. well-being, you're allowed to have your thoughts about things, but those are your thoughts inside your brain. Keep them there. <laughs> exactly.
1: Freedom, this whole quote-unquote freedom, not to, this isn't getting political, but it's like people often use freedom of speech as a defense to say really mean things that, and, and, that's not
0: like I would much rather the um the, the lobby, but freedom uh, of speech keep your mouth shut if you don't have anything nice to say. Freedom of speech only applies like on the go- like for the
1: government, like the government cannot like heart like you have the freedom of speech for the government. It does not apply to any, your employer, it does nope. not apply to Facebook or Twitter or any other social media platform. And you, if you're an asshole. Freedom of speech doesn't protect you against being an asshole. No. Nope. So stop. Like you can't just use that as your defense. And I know that's a little bit off topic, but it still applies because just because you think somebody is ugly or stupid does not give you the right to do anything abuse about it, them, To do anything or do about, anything about it. it. It doesn't cost
0: anything to shut the fuck up, or to be nice, like or to just, not. Oh, I don't know. Fucking hit somebody. I I think th- people who don't have anything nice to say, should just be mute. Like, the people who are stuck with no vocal cords and who cannot speak, they're probably the kindest, most gentle, loving, like, wonderful, thought-filled person. And then there's people over here who just don't ever shut their freaking mouth, who have nothing but garbage to spew. It's, It's like, like, unjust.
1: I don't know. So it's like, and I'm not saying we need
0: to be disillusioned that
1: the world is all happy butterflies and rainbows and unicorns, because clearly this podcast proves that it's not. No, but if people were a little nicer, it could be a little closer to that. But exactly, like, (laughs) with how much, like, cruel shit is going on in the world, why not just take that little extra step to try to be nicer, to try to be a better human being? Or just don't add to
0: it. Just don't add to the shit.
1: Don't add to the shit. Don't
0: add to the
1: shit. The planet is already a dumpster fire. It literally (laughs) is. We're basically like one giant heaping landfill that's on fire. So stop adding shit to the flames.
0: Yeah, man. Quit fanning the flames. Recycle. Reduce, (laughs) reuse, recycle. Recycle, dang it.
1: And on that note.
0: (laughs) Now that we've gone off on many tangents. (laughs) (laughs) thanks Uh, for hanging in thanks for hanging in we hope your ears didn't bleed too much from this episode and we hope that if you're listening to this you're not a shitty human (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i think it's safe to assume our listeners are probably pretty great people don't hit your kids
1: don't hit your spouse your significant other your dog your cat don't llama just
0: don't hit just don't hit if you're gonna hit something hit a bong there you go hit the bong man Hit your bong, not
1: living I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's catchy. I don't know. Like a little catchphrase tagline thing that you could put on a bumper sticker. I don't know.
0: Hit bongs, not... Babes? There you go. There you go. Hit bongs, not babes. Hit bongs, not babies. There you go. I like it. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) sayonara. Don't forget to check out our social media channels uh if you're
1: listening on apple podcasts rate review subscribe give us a five-star review if you like us if you're like hey this is pretty good you, you can give us a four star too like, we just I'm want to you what to do but you know just remember if you can't if you don't have anything nice to say don't say
0: anything at all we love you we do bye bye